One Week Season. to the week eight edition of the OWS Week in Review pod. I am your host, Todd Burrows, and I will be soon joined by Hilo, who wrote more articles this week than he played lineups. And we will cover some of our key process points, things we may or may not have learned, things that wish we had done but didn't, um, and continue our process in learning and getting better. But first, I want to introduce a man whose favorite Halloween candy candy is the mini almond joy because it too only has one nut. Mr. Fun Size himself, Hilo. Mark? <laughs> Dude, I, I had to like take a minute to process that. Like you set that up perfectly and let it down the road to like allow me the time to to process it as you were saying i love that <laughs> <laughs> well what's funny is i have a i had a guy at work it was his last week last week and i i had the whole almond joy thing and you know and i've i've run by him like you know i play i played last week's pod uh, and, and he was just dying laughing, right? Like in the car, just dying laughing. <laughs> and uh, I hope the listeners actually laugh like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then he, he he looks, and then I read him this one of what I wanted to do, and he goes, Mr. Fun Size. So he gave me that part. And I That's thought funny. that was, uh, I, I really liked that one. So, um and yeah, it's perfect, perfectly pertinent for being the day after Halloween that we're recording this too. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I thought of it like in the middle of last week, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm enjoy." You woke well, up and we have to, and then and just to take you through my process, right? Like <laughs> no, this just it. didn't. Now, now I'm sitting there going, "How many nuts is in an almond joy?" No, that's too many. And then, um, well, are there two or three? And then all of a sudden, I thought, "Oh, the minis." Well, they only have one. So like, it's like this whole process of like defining a joke and then making sure that, you know, it makes sense. Um, you know, we just don't, uh, you know, do cup checks here. <laughs> Dude, I, I just pictured you like waking up in a hot sweat, like fumbling, like going to the store to like get a bag of almond joys to like check and do some R&D to see. Oh, if yeah. Had no, one. Well, I, I was I, I was I knew enough that once they thought of the minis. That I I knew that that was uh, that was that's a one nut candy. <laughs> There's not many of them. <laughs> oh man, uh, very potent almond, by the way. Yeah, right. It's yeah, I know. Three kids later. Three kids later. Um, so <laughs> I, I got to ask you: Is the first kid any better because it was conceived with two? That's a loaded question, dude. <laughs> That's loaded as hell. You I'm not going to answer that. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> you don't have. The, yeah. No, no need to answer that. <laughs> um, the answer, the correct answer is no, of course not. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. So let's actually talk a little football. In general, Mark, this has been a tougher year than I can remember. I am on the longest losing streak of my career. 
Um, and, and, and a lot of it is that we're contrarian, but this is the most chalk year I can remember. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, hundred percent, man. Um, I kind of, or I, I, we, when we dove into it last week, we, I kind of talked about how, um, like I, it's very normal to not have like, to have a large spread of time where, you know, between big hits or between, um, sweats and stuff like that. Um, I've had two sweats the entire season and they've both come in showdown, which is like not the norm for me. Um, like last, uh, on Thursday night football, the Packers and the Cardinals, um, I was a Tanyan injury away from chopping the Millie, um, and making like 50, 60 grand. Uh, so Tanyan got injured and then Ertz outscored Tanyan. Um, but anyway, back to your question, like, yeah, this, this year has like, we, Jam talks about it all the time where like chalk still congregates regardless of, you know, how unique of a slate it is, how unlikely the chalk could be to hit that week. Chalk is still going to congregate and we've seen chalk still congregate. And it seems like the chalk is hitting <laughs> at an increased rate this year. Um, and with each of you and I's play style, we kind of purposefully take um, and adopt an, a higher variance strategy. And um, it's really not been working. That said, like, I this was the second week this season where I did not cash a single roster. And I had, I think I had 11 rosters this week. So not a one cashed. Um, my single entry roster put up a whopping 85 points. So it's definitely... Um, it's definitely getting harder to stick to a process when the results have not been there. That said, like, well, as we'll get into yeah. here shortly, like we're going to unpack like all of that. Like, is it an issue with the process? Is it variance? All of that is going to be, I think, discussed this week, but also on the other side of that coin, like this was only the second week where I lost a large chunk of the money that I put in on the week. So kind of been just treading water um and those I, i've consistently earned back about 25 to 50 percent every week which is you know uh, and it's you know what because what you count on with this strategy is getting those sweats and getting those one or two great lineups here or or more uh like i did last year and it just hasn't happened so far I do have one thing that I will uh, talk about that I, I'm, I have I am doing differently this year um, in my um, in my switch to being more MME, um, and I'll, I'll go into that in a little bit. Uh, this week um, there wasn't a ton of chalk, uh, like really highly owned, other than Henderson. And one of the mm -hmm. surprises that you pointed out in your article, Mark was this is the first time we saw two quarterbacks beat Chalky, and both of them pretty much let us down, and it and it still didn't matter. Yeah, so the two Chalk quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, obviously, um, he had two rushes from the one and then didn't score a rushing touchdown. The team scored, I believe, four rushing touchdowns overall. Um, that game environment obviously was very different from what Philadelphia has been accustomed to with so much of like Hertz's value this year being derived in the fourth quarter with uh, the other chalky quarterback was um, Josh Allen. I mean, he 
he put up like 29 points. So um, he pretty oh, much. Did, that's right. Yeah. He finished strong. Yeah. He scored like three touchdowns in the fourth quarter or something like that. Um, and he got there, but like, again, which was super weird because looking at the ownership projections from Buffalo this week in particular, Josh Allen was expected to garner a lot of ownership, but none of his pass catchers were. And he goes out and like puts up a, a solid GPP score and none of his pass catchers did. I mean, the highest scoring pass catcher for Buffalo was, um, was, uh, holy shit. Who was it? Gabe Davis. No, Gabe scored a touchdown, but he ended up only scoring like 10, 14. Oh, was points. it uh, Beasley? Yeah, it was Beasley. He put up 24 on like 11 receptions. So like he hit like a 90% outcome, but like, <laughs> He's never really going to be this stellar GPP play because that was pretty much his ceiling. So yeah, it was like nobody. And, and I forced I forced two pass catchers with most of my Josh Allen lineups because mm-hmm. um, I wanted to differentiate. Right, if his pass catchers didn't have ownership, well, I wanted my Josh Allen lineups to be different. I just you know I wanted double leverage. It, it just didn't work out. I will say that my I played single entry for the first time in the. Uh, a while, and I got uh, 132 points, which wasn't good enough to cash. Um, (laughs) My big mistake was I swapped from A.J. Brown to Westbrook Akeen, um, and I Mm -hmm. wanted that money to put Alvin Kamara in. So um, I'm blaming you for my my failed single entry. My single entry, I actually went the other way and I swapped off of Kamara and down to James Robinson. So that didn't work out too well either. So, yeah, I, I have been catching the injured and ineffective running backs um, way too much this year. Um, I had too much Kenny Gainwell. Um, X told me like four times, I told you not to play him. Um, <laughs> thanks, X. Um, I, you know, I, I still, you know, I, I, it just doesn't make any, you know, I fell into the fallacy of rational coaching because they played Gainwell so much when Miles Sanders was healthy. You know, he had a fumble, so you figured, oh, last week, you know, they 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 rep, you know, but they were giving him like carry carries as well as passing game work when um when uh, and goal line touches when when Miles Sanders, this stud running back, was healthy. Sanders gets hurt and and all of a sudden they don't want to play Gainwell. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But those of you who um, read the tea leaves better, uh, you know, might have had a pretty good day. Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't want to turn this into like a Gainwell discussion, but like with respect to him in particular, like with the amount of ownership that he was projected for, it felt like the the field was over certain or overconfident with respect to his role and the points that x and i made on the saturday podcast were just that it we don't really know because we haven't one we haven't seen like sirianni be this like otherworldly coach this year as a head coach um his his the play calling has been like eh, questionable but from a bigger sense like the game he seems like in over his head where he's managing calling plays and he's managing the game. And we've kind of seen some head coaches struggle when they make that transition because it can be overwhelming. And so like, I just, my point with him in particular was that there was a lot of uncertainty still. And I felt like the field was overweighting their level of certainty for that spot. 
Um, you know, we didn't know if they were going to give Gainwell all the touches. We didn't know if they were going to transition Boston Scott into the lead rusher role, which ended up happening. So, I, yeah, I don't know, man. That would have been like a play for me that I would have been higher on if he were, you know, two, three, four, five percent, you know, sub five percent ownership. And he was, I think, projected for like 14 to 15 percent on the weekend. Uh, I, I, I listened to one other show, non OWS this week. And someone I respect really like Gainwell as a GPP play. So late, I took a bunch of my Michael Carter and gave it to Gainwell. So oh, no. um, I'm an asshole. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I deserve to lose. And I did. Um, so, yeah. Um, and again, I was still very overwhelmed um, with my lineups. And then with the late breaking news on Swift. And um, Calvin Ridley, you know, I, I, I did it differently this week, but I started too late. Um, I started proof. I would do a, a quarterback run and then I would proof them and make changes, which was good. Um, and then, you know, on that news, I just took like the last four or five quarterbacks and all ran them together. So um, and that included Brady and Jameis Winston, which was my biggest overweight position because uh, I and, and I, I, I was about fifth, almost 50 50 on the two of them, which means I was way more over the field on Jameis, because to me, the most logical thing that would happen would be that Jameis you know, that, that that Brady would still have ownership, but Jameis wouldn't. And you and besides that, you're playing the same guys. Right. And you got yeah. four, an extra $1,400. I thought that Jameis was a good play, and it was working out that way. But, of course, then he got hurt. So I'm yeah. not a big one for complaining about injuries, but um, that one that one stung a bit. Yeah, for sure. I think that one stung the Saints a bit, too. Um, looking at the sideline reactions when that injury happened, um, it was pretty brutal to watch on, on TV. Well, who's going to bring in the crab legs every week? Yeah, right. He was, he was eating those W's, man. Um, so, um, yeah, so that wasn't good. So let's talk about DeAndre Swift. You know, we get these kind of big news um, at 11. You know, we, we were joking uh, in our channel not too long ago that Schefter, we really haven't had Schefter bombs this year, but the DeAndre Swift and Calvin Ridley bombs were pretty significant ones. And, you know, for me, I again, I already had uh, about 40% of my lineups made and I didn't do much with Swift, but I did up him with the remaining quarterbacks. And honestly, I don't have regrets. I, you know, the, the, it just happened to be the week that the, the Lions put up their worst game of the year. And if they hadn't, um, you know, it, it just it just didn't work. But I, I get the game theory of being under on Swift because he was going to get steamed. Um, but to me, I was seeing 18 to 20% projected ownership and he ended up at 26. So I don't feel that he, his ownership went nuts. Uh, well, not at the <laughs> end. And, um, but how did you handle that news? So I did a profile on the Detroit backfield in a Twitter thread before the season. And the conclusion that I came to was where we can expect Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift to 
basically, they're basically capable of the same things, right? They're both capable of filling a three down role. They are both have not seen that um, thus far in each respective career, but they're both capable between the tackles off edge uh, rushers, and they're both capable through the pass game. So the conclusion that I came to was these are likely both low, or I guess I probably Swift is probably a, a high end RB two for the season. And Jamal Williams is probably a low end RB two on the season. If they're both healthy, just based on how we thought this offense would run. If one misses any time, the other one would then become like a high end RB one with the expected usage. So I took, I went extremely overweight on Swift. I popped him in pretty much everywhere. And my main rosters uh, coming into Sunday morning were two pay-up running backs with DeAndre Swift and Alvin Kamara. The discussion in, that we had on Saturday and then the podcast discussion that we had on Saturday, I re-listened to the podcast and I came back on Sunday morning and I said, you know what, Like, I can get a similar projected range of outcomes if I come down from Camara to James Robinson and up um, free up basically some salary to be able to play uh, at the wide receiver position. So that is what I ended up doing on my single entry roster. So my, my pairing of DeAndre Swift and James Robinson uh, got me a total of 14 fantasy points. Uh, so that was awesome. But yeah, I chose to go overweight on Swift um, as a as my way of differentiation in single entry the the spy the hundred dollar uh, single entry tournament Swift was all the way up at thirty eight point six eight percent ownership so had I and known I still that don't think that I still don't think that is something that you should be afraid of right now you can make a case to be under on it in a single entry but it really would depend to me on the rest of the team. Had I known that, I likely would have kept Alvin Kamara and DeAndre Swift. Um, had I known Swift was going to carry that ownership, and that would have been my way of differentiation. Um, I'll go over the other way I chose to differentiate the roster because now I was back into the likely main funnel, which was through the running back position um, in one payup and one medium range running back. Um, and I chose to differentiate the roster through... Teddy Bridgewater, Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy with a Terry McLaurin bring back. So heavily attacking a game environment that I thought nobody was going to be on. Yeah, I, I felt like, I, I mean, I was over on that game in MME. But uh, again, I don't, in single entry, I really don't like low total. Um, I mean, that was a 45 um, game total. Um so, um, but uh, the other thing I wanted to ask was about the other big news. I know you were on Calvin Ridley uh, bringing back with DJ Moore. I can tell you that at the time, I had about even weight on Darnold and Ryan, about 12%. Um, I, I, I felt that it was a good game, but I didn't feel good enough to be double. And I didn't want to be half. So I was even. But on the news, I felt that having Ridley out really lowered the chance that that game would blow up. I did uh, make a, a few uh, gauge lineups and a few more pits lineups. 
Uh, but in general, I, I, I didn't play either quarterback in 150 lineups. And um, obviously, that was a pretty good move. Um, how did you handle it? Yeah, so my thought process on that game was uh, Kyle Pitts already has a difficult matchup on paper, and we knew that he was likely going to be drawing a shadow coverage for the first time this season. Um, so I got off of Pitts entirely. And the only piece I played from that game was Russell Gage. I figured that Pitts would be the number one um, option. He was going to get the extra attention, likely shadow coverage with safety help. And where we know that Atlanta's still going to be trying to throw the ball. So where would those targets likeliest filter through? And my answer was Russell Gage. And then he like didn't receive a single target in the entire game. <laughs> so, Yep. Yep. I, uh, yeah, I think that's good stuff. Um, I I know that I really struggled to where to put my money this week at quarterback. Um, I ended up being, um, you know, almost double on the Brady-Winston game. I was over on Josh Allen, but not crazy, under on Wentz. And I was over on Geno Smith. And I thought that the and Justin Herbert, Herbert bombed. Um, but um, I really didn't see any spot high low that just, you know, I know you guys like Teddy and I, and I thought that was decent. I, I had 20% on the game versus 6% ownership. Um, I thought that was a pretty good GPP play. I really like Court and Sutton as a GPP play. I forced him into a bunch of lineups. Uh, but I thought Gina was sneaky. Unfortunately, the Jaguars couldn't keep up. Yeah, I thought that was sneaky as well. And I went to, I liked DK Metcalf a ton this week. Um, interesting enough, this was one of the. Only I had a weeks, lot of DK Metcalf. Yeah, this was the only, one of the only games out of the last year and a half where um, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf hit in the same game. So leave it to Gino being in at quarterback to make that happen. Leave it to the Jaguars. Yeah, right. Leave it. I mean, let's, let's talk about the Jets. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's funny because, you know, once again, you were on the Jets with Crowder and um, and I didn't even see with, with all those touchdowns. Did the two guys that you like it? Uh, it was basically I was on um, Crowder and to a lesser extent, um, Elijah Moore but I didn't play any more. Um, I had about 40% Crowder. Uh, it was like four of 11 lineups uh, with Crowder. And Crowder to me was the best mix of floor and ceiling in the sub 5K wide receiver range. I liked him more than Jerry Judy. I ended up playing both on my, uh, on my single entry roster. But to me, like Crowder was the guy that I felt the safest um, with respect to his workload and then his range of outcomes. And then I, in my process that led me to Crowder, I almost not, not completely like wrote off, but like I was far less interested in Michael Carter and we know how that worked out as well. So, um, yeah. And, and, and that was a, that's one that I do regret because again, with so many moving parts, when you're doing MME, and and then you hear Sunday morning that this guy you respect really thinks Gainwell's sneaky. And it turns out Gainwell wasn't all that sneaky. And Carter, you know, Mike White was a check down maven the week before. 
And yeah. we've seen quarterbacks who check down a lot. They, they just continue to do it. Yeah, I mean, you right? look at that game. They, he fed Ty Johnson and Michael Carter 20 targets. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, and, 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 he scored a, and, he, and he gave himself one target, too. Yeah, uh, right. But um, that was uh, that was interesting, and um, you know you've already talked about your results. My results were less than stellar as well. Um, I I do want uh, I do want to um, hit one or two more points, and then I'll talk about the thing that I I I, I have identified. And um, and one was uh, you were on Gronk. Did you did you actually play him? Because in hindsight, that's one where you could look and you could see a guy who just really wasn't ready to come back. I actually um, lowered my Gronk exposure. I only played him on one roster. And the reasoning wasn't that I was moving away from that game because it, it could seem that way because I came off both Kamara and Gronk. My reasoning for that was just my level of confidence in pat fryermuth um with him basically which was the next guy i was going to mention i mentioned one you didn't get right and then i was going to come back with one you did uh with ebron out fryermuth was a, a fabulous call yeah so i i was eight of 11 on pat fryermuth and he was just the kind of the piece that just fell together the way that i was building my rosters where i kind of always had this like 36 to 3800 dollars to spend at tight end and i didn't want to really alter the rest of the builds in order to fit you know the extra additional 700 to 900 in salary to get to gronk so that was a a a conscious decision by me just based on how my rosters were coming together and i felt confident enough in fryermuth you know we talked about the the routes run for fryermuth plus eric ebron and if all those went to Fryermuth, I felt highly confident in him reaching this seven to nine target rate with a heavy red zone role. Um, and I liked that fantasy prospectus at only 3.6. All right. So here's the thing that I have not done that I used to do. Um, and, and it was, and it's an, it's, you know, as I do my weekly deconstructing the slant, I'm more in line with what, the average really good DFS player does, you know, being much broader. Um, But the one thing that I am not doing this year and some weeks it'll come back to really haunt you. But if you, if you do it right, it really gives you a lot more chance. And it's, it's, I haven't been narrowing my player pool enough, right? Like if I just pull up my, my MME, you know, available to, you know, like I used to get it down to like eight or 10 running backs, four or five tight ends, uh, 25 or so wide receivers. You know, I had one, two, three, four, five, six. I I had like 15 running backs available, you you know, so I I think I'm going to, you know, really try and make the hard decisions and 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 force myself out of guys you know there's always four or five guys that you're more afraid that you'll miss out than you believe in them you know like yesterday for me that would be Alex Collins Zach Moss uh even Gainwell 
Um, you know, we didn't know what his workload was. Uh, I would have been out on Elijah Mitchell and he worked, but I, I wouldn't have regretted it because, you know, I, I, I do think that that is maybe a hole in my game because at OWS, we, we are much better at narrowing than other people. Why wouldn't I take advantage of that? So that's, you know, I I could just be grasping at straws because I'm not playing well, Mark, but that's the one thing that I came up with that I think I'm going to try and be better at. I would completely agree that that is a valid outcome and when analyzing your play. Because if you think about what you're doing from a theoretical standpoint, it would be one on one side, you are being contrarian and building contrarianly, not a word, but um, building in a way that increases your weekly variance, right? Because we're not eating chalk, we're, we're building in a unique way. And what does that do? That, that increases our weekly variance. What are you doing by holding a wide player pool and not narrowing it um, a lot? You're managing variance, right? You're afraid to to miss on the plays that that break the slate you're 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 saying that i'm on one hand i want to increase my weekly variance to shoot for these top end scores and on the other it is i'm trying to manage my variance so if because by narrowing your player pool you're you're effectively increasing your weekly variance you're saying if i get this you know this pool of narrowed players right like i'm probably going to smash and i'm okay with missing if that is not the case and and, and and i'm missing anyway yeah like so, i haven't had you know last year i had two weeks where i didn't win anything but i also had like eight weeks where i had a sweat and i won a few thousand dollars a couple times uh, you know i just feel like i'm just bleeding out my money uh slower I would uh, I would 100% agree with that. So if you're if you're the goal is to increase your variance and shoot for these top uh, you know the top 0.01% in these contests, like go all in and and try and try and give yourself the best opportunity to succeed the most when you do succeed. Yeah. Um, and and, and like that it. way, even if there's a chalk player, if you like that chalk player and you put him in a tight player pool with some. So, you know, and you manage the um, amount of total ownership in a lineup, which I do, you know, you can you can routinely end up with 50, 60 percent of a guy. And, you know, I think the most I've had of any player this year is like 35 percent. Well, no, I, I I mean, if you take out single entry. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I used to have. So, yeah. So I I, I don't want to keep going on. But I think that's a hole in my game. I need to uh, man up and tighten that pool and really, you know, play like Todd again. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, th- that was it, not only because of my results, but I think it's just truer to who I am when it comes to playing DFS. Yeah. Find your edge and hammer it for sure. Well, and, 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 and not being afraid to miss on mediocre guys, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, how many Daryl Williams weeks and Devante Booker weeks, you know, guys like that, that, you know, I've allowed into my player pool and then I end up with 18, 20% of them. And I'm like, I didn't even like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, all right. So I, I, uh, you have anything else for this week, Mark? If not, we're going to get out of here. And yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fucking win next week. That's right, damn it. Um, yeah, actually, so I found a leak where, and this is a kind of just tangent of what I've struggled with probably over the last full season, and that is like once I identify a spot or a, a piece of leverage, like being too aggressive with it. And what I mean by that is this: like I identified Jameson Crowder as like one of my top like point per dollar plays on the slate. And that unlocked a lot of the slate for me in doing so. Um, or I guess in addition to that, I identified like pay up times two at running back as something that I wanted to be overweight on because I knew the field was likely going to be heavy one pay up and one mid range guy. What I overlooked in that is those two things kind of came together to eliminate pay down times two at running back in my um, basically from my vision and how I was seeing the slate, because obviously one of the premier pay down of options available this week was, um, Jameson Crowder's teammate and Michael Carter. Um, so those two things kind of came together. Well, well and, and also by putting them on different lineups, you know, you're, you're basically saying this is going to be a tight distribution. I really think one of these guys is going to hit. By making Crowder line, you know, if you if if I was making eleven lineups, you know, make five with Crowder and 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 four with Michael Carter, uh, you know, that way, you know, probably one of those two is dead, but the other one is very likely crushing. Yeah, exactly, and that would have that would have opened up how I built this week, and that's what I don't want to have happen. Is I don't want to be narrow-minded to a point where it's limiting how I'm building rosters because that is lowering my percentage chance of an already low percentage chance, you know, of, of shipping a tournament. Um, so I want to, I want to work hard this week on keeping how I build around different game environments, very fluid and not hamstringing myself, um, with respect to like particular builds. And I think I can help you if, you know, one thing we haven't done in our Saturday calls is kind of go over the key, you know, like I really should read your article before we talk. And half the time it's like, oh, if I don't, oh, F, if I don't call him now, you know, it, it, he's going to do the show and then it'll be too late. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I think that if we, if I looked at your article, you know, we could come up with different ways of, you know, because that is one of my strengths is finding unique ways of attacking things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I I think that uh, I I think that it's good that we're trying to get away from the chalk build. But I think we also do, as you mentioned, and I think this is a great point that you brought up. We and it's something that I think you and X could talk about on the pod as well. Well, here's my thought about the chalk build is, and before you even tell him what you think, just ask him, well, X, how would you attack? If this is going to be the chalk build X, what, how are you going to attack it? And, and then, you, you know, you see if it lines up with your own. And I think that'll really help the subs. That's just a, a, a little food for thought. I like it. All right. That is going to do it. And, um, you know, keep your heads up, guys. I know it's been really discouraging. It's certainly easy to blame 
uh, your source of information. But one thing's for sure, we're suffering right there with you. We're eating the food that we're giving you. And, um, you know, I really pray that we all, you know, just nail one week and, and we get that one week season that turns us, uh, turns our frowns upside down. Uh, always a pleasure, Mark, dealing with you and doing this podcast with you. And I'll see you next week. Likewise, brother. We'll see you guys.